Welcome back to Energetically You, where we talk about optimal wellness, abundant mindset, and wellpreneurship. I'm your host, Megan Swan, a wellness mindset and integrated wellness business coach and the founder of the Sustainable Integrated Wellness Approach. I help high-performance women thread more wellness into their lifestyle so that it becomes a way of life and not a checkmark on their to-do list. I design custom approachable lifestyle strategies because there is no one-size-fits-all wellness. Today, I'm so excited to interview Amrit Singh. She is a registered acupuncturist and a healthcare professional of the year notable award winner. She has been working with women and their health for over a decade. Through her experience as an acupuncturist focusing on cosmetic acupuncture, fertility, and digestive issues, Amrit began to see the impacts of how lifestyle, societal expectations, relationships, and workplace environments were taking a toll on women's health, self-esteem, stress, and mental health. Over the past five years, she noticed how keeping up was increasingly affecting women's health. She also says hiding fertility appointments or pregnancy from coworkers, trying to maintain looking perfect and professional, dating apps, diet trends, all these things were stressing out women, affecting their health and in turn their skin. And I wanted to do something about it. Determined to create a space where women can share, be celebrated, inspired, honored, and connected to community, Amrit created Six Babe Beauty. Through her social media workshops and specialized acupuncture treatments, Amrit wants every woman to feel like a six babe, a strong, successful, healthy, beautiful woman inside and out. Amrit began her acupuncture journey by completing a diploma of acupuncture at the Institute of Traditional Medicine in Toronto, after which she extended her studies in Beijing, Tokyo, San Francisco, New York, and London, UK. She has taught numerous workshops for aspiring acupuncturists on cosmetic acupuncture and completed the Meizen Cosmetic Acupuncture System. Acru Region Cosmetic Facial Acupuncture and Medical Microneedling Program, Microderma Abrasion and Skin Care Certificate, and interned with a facial acupuncturist in Tokyo, Japan. Emirat is fully insured registered acupuncturist with the College of Traditional Medicine, Chinese Medicine Practitioners, and Acupuncturist of Ontario, and is certified in clean needle technique. So looking forward to diving right in to all of this. Welcome, Amrit. I'm so excited to have you here today. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all of your wisdom. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing really good. It's been really busy lately, but I'm happy, especially after the past couple of years we've had. Yeah, I understand. So take us back. How does uh, a girl from Winnipeg become so passionate about acupuncture? (laughs) Yeah, good question. It's really strange because actually, and I don't think a lot of people know this, but my previous career is in the music industry, like the business side doing 
artist management and special events and marketing and that kind of thing. So I actually had a bad back injury in Winnipeg where I fell on the ice because the city Mm -hmm. is like covered in ice sometimes, as you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was in a lot of chronic pain for a long time and I was really young. So I think I was only like 22 or 21 or 22. And then I moved to Toronto to work in our Toronto office and be in the industry here and just kind of like came across this acupuncture place. And I was like, you know, I'm willing to try anything. And there, and I didn't really know that that's what they did there. So I told them what happened. And they're like, we think you should do acupuncture. And I was like, uh, I don't know what that is, but okay. And I had in a sense, but didn't really know. And then I tried it and it helped me immensely. And I was like, this is so weird. And I went home and read about it. And I'm like, I'm quitting my job. I didn't know I was going to become an acupuncturist, but I knew I wasn't going to continue in the music industry at that moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think so often these things start with a personal story. Yeah. And actually I, without, you know, I started seeing an acupuncturist um, just because she had been recommended more to, to seek like an overall balance. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to her for infertility, but after having three, four, I mean, maybe it was even five sessions. Um, a few months later, after not being able to get pregnant for two years, I got pregnant. So whether oh, wow. it's like wrecked thing, I, I personally think it definitely influenced it. And I was so interested to hear that that's one of the things that you focus on. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, I, I know that it's a much more widely, um, you know, I think it's, I looked at some stats, it depends on who you ask between one and six or one in five women. Like it's not an uncommon problem yet. There's a lot of, you know, it's kind of a taboo topic or it's not something we talk about openly. There's a lot of shame, I think around it. It's because, you know, I remember I used to work in the financial district. My practice was there for many years. And these women are like, you know, highly successful type A women that had to leave the office three times a week for appointments. You know, that's really stressful because you're wondering, are people questioning why you're leaving? Is something wrong with you? They're going to start questioning your work performance. And then the worst thing that they were worrying about is I don't want people to know I'm getting pregnant because or trying because maybe I'm not going to be up for the next project or raise or the next job promotion. Like, so it's really, it's a really stressful situation to not be able to try to get pregnant in peace. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think people appreciate just even that factor could be your number one (laughs) inhibitor, the stress surrounding it, instead of it being this joyful, you know, bringing a life into the world type Mm -hmm. vibe. Yeah. Because you're hiding it from people who might try to be taking you down. Like that's a really harsh energy. Yeah. So in your current practice, is that like, you kind of have different streams of clients or do you feel Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of overlap? Um, I do mainly cosmetic acupuncture now. Um, but I still, I'd say secondary is fertility and then with a mix of, um, digestive and maybe some mental health as well. I'd say that's what I see people the most for. Okay. Well, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about Botox. Okay. <laughs> because it is just everywhere, I feel personally. And more recently, um, 
a few people in my industry, quote unquote, wellness that, you know, I, I'll speak for myself. I personally don't fit it into a category of something that I would consider under holistic wellness. And I think there's just a lot of misinformation out, out there. I think, you know, you could definitely make arguments that it has its place, but for you, do you see it as like a, an either or, or, you know, where would you sort of maybe potentially recommend it to someone versus cosmetic acupuncture? I don't think I would ever recommend it. Okay, good. <laughs> We're not, on the same page. But, yeah. But at that <laughs> same time, I'm not against it. Meaning that everybody can do whatever they want, right? It's their body, it's their life. And so I do have patients that come and see me and they have done Botox and then they stop Botox. They are happy with cosmetic acupuncture. Or I have people who also continue with Botox and maybe they go half as often and also do half as much because they just don't need as much because the cosmetic acupuncture has picked up the slack. So I definitely wouldn't put it in the wellness category at all. It is is a neurotoxin that paralyzes a muscle. There's nothing wellness about that. Any natural cultural medicine that's been around for hundreds or thousands of years, any, you know, traditional family thing that might be like within a one family unit for a few generations, everything is always about moving. Nothing is about paralyzing, right? Like it's the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. I love love that you bring that up. Yeah. So tell us, uh, you know, sort of what is, what do women come I mean, they come for a very specific thing, like fix this detail on my face or do most of your clients come like sort of with a more overall, I don't know, like with a wellness perspective to the movement, the circulation. Yeah. I think some people come in and they're just like, these are my lines. What can we do? What, what can we reverse? What can we reduce? And some people also come in and they're like, Um, I have anxiety, you know, I have this digestive issue, I have a knee injury, can we work on my knee at the same time? Because people who do cosmetic acupuncture properly always do body points, right? Like we still do the full health history, there's still body points. It's really like the the facial acupuncture is a two in one treatment. It's not ever just the face. If anybody goes, if anyone's listening to this, and you go to your someone and they're just treating your face like that's just not it like that's not the way to do it um so it's a combination of why people come in some people don't know that actually so they'll come in they're like oh I thought you were just treating my face I'm like nope we're working on you from the inside out yeah well let's drill down on that a little bit so can you kind of thread out like why is it so important to treat the whole organism yeah so if you, there's a couple of reasons. If you treat just the face, so let's just talk physically for a second. You are bringing a lot of blood and chi upwards to the head and to someone's face. And it's very imbalanced because nothing is coming down. So someone who has anxiety, somebody who has low blood pressure, somebody who gets dizzy easily, low iron, um, any kind of like anxiety, depression, anything that's also of the mind. Um, is going to get exasperated because you've brought too much blood and energy without any grounding points. So that's like the first thing. Um, And you can cause dizziness. Like I've done that on myself. I've tested it like where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do two treatments myself this week. And and let's say I'm I'm doing it late at night and I'm lazy and I don't do any body points. I'll get dizzy 
in the day. I vague, like I saw it vaguely. I clearly remember testing that on myself when I was at work, probably this would have been 2018 or 2019. I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting dizzy. Why? I'm like, oh, I'm doing cosmetic acupuncture without body points. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. The meridians also on the face connect and go through the whole body. They go down the arm, they go down the abdomen, they go down to the feet. So if you want to work on the face, you have to support the rest of the body. To us, it's connected. It's not a separate thing. Gotcha. So when you say grounding points, that would be like needles that you put lower down on the body? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Needles that are down on lower on the body, maybe a couple on the feet, ankles, around the ankles, but also points that are involved with more grounding energy more yin energy. So thing points that have to do more with blood. So spleen six is a common one, a little bit above the ankle. Um, it involves the kidney, the liver and the spleen. And it's a very important point for women. Um, kidney points, kidney is a, like the most yin of all the organs. And so by working on the kidney, it's always bringing energy down. So, so you have a balance, you have all this energy coming up to the face. So you have to have a nice balance to bring the energy down. It's really kind of like an artistic form to balance that out visually and energetically. Hmm, I love that. Can you tell us a little bit more about the training? Because I know I have several friends that have done this, you know, it is no joke to become certified. It is, you know, so in depth. So paint the picture a little bit of sort of the history of the practice, which I know is very far in in history, Mm -hmm. maybe some key points or, you know, how they currently use it in um, China and Japan. I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience interning in in Tokyo. I'm sure you have uh, some really great takeaways from that. And, and just like how, because you, in your bio, you have like a very long list of certifications. And Mm -hmm. from my, you know, somewhat ignorant knowledge on just it's a very in-depth training to become certified in these things because you have multiple facets of anatomy like there's just so much information that you're holding yeah so it depends where you practice so let's say like in california and new york state for america i would say are very strict um in Canada, it's less strict because it's less known. So BC and Ontario, I'd say are probably the most strict provinces. But here we can, in California, New York, for example, I'm, you can't just be an acupuncturist. You have to do acupuncture and Chinese herbs. Where in Canada, in BC, I don't know for sure, but like in Ontario, you can choose. So for example, I'm only an acupuncturist. I didn't take Chinese herbs. So if you want to do like a full Chinese medicine practitioner certification, like that's like full years, four years, full time acupuncture, you can do two years full time, but you're right. Like it's, that's all you're doing for two years is acupuncture, Chinese medicine, physiology, anatomy, um, pharmacology. Like you have to understand some basics, Western medicine, and then everything else you do is acupuncture. And the reason why I'm making that differentiation so clear is that that's what differentiates us from chiropractors, physios, naturopaths, for example, that just do acupuncture, but are not acupuncturists. And there's still a lot of education to be had around that. These are people who do classes in acupuncture, you know, maybe a month, a few weekends in a year, something like that. 
But when you go to an acupuncturist, you're talking to somebody who's at minimum two years of just acupuncture straight. Lots of clinical hours, lots of practical. Yeah. So could tell us a little bit about, about Tokyo and why you chose there of all the places. Mm. To- yeah. So when I was in school, um, the school I went to was cool because they would always bring people from all over the world. So, you know, if Chinese medicine was your vibe, but you kind of were drawn to other things, you probably were going to come across some kind of person from all cultures. Like we did everything. And a Japanese acupuncturist came in and I was like blown away. It really spoke to me. I'm like, oh, this is, this makes more sense to me. This feels more comfortable to me than um, more the traditional Chinese medicine route. And so it just stayed in my mind. And then after I graduated, I booked a trip to Japan. This lined up really nicely for me. And before that, um, my school offered a continuing education course on Japanese acupuncture for kids. So it's called Shonishin, just called like Japanese pediatrics. So I took that and that teacher was really cool. And she had interned in, in Japan a lot. And she was like, if anyone's ever going to Japan, please contact me. I can put you in touch with people. And I was like, oh, I'm going in like two weeks. She's like, it was so perfect. And so she put me in touch with her teacher. So yeah, I interned in some clinics in Tokyo and in Osaka as well. And it was really cool because none of two of the three of the teachers didn't speak any English, but it didn't matter. I learned so much from them and it was really a beautiful thing. And it's like the same thing when I've gone traveling and I've done yoga and like Portugal, for example, I've be- I very much remember that. Like, I didn't know what they were saying, but like you, you just kind of like, we're well, all speaking the same language. It's your body. It's your energy. Like you just follow along. Um, so being in Tokyo with the, and Osaka with them was really cool. And they were very kind and very, hospitable and you know it's just part of life there everybody was coming in kids were coming in elders were coming in adults people were really sick people were just doing maintenance um sorry I know this is getting long but one of my favorite stories is a yakuza I don't know if you know what that is but like Japanese mafia like a yakuza clan member came in and I'm like we're gonna treat like a Japanese mafia guy like this guy's coming in for acupuncture is this for real (laughs) and it was for real I was like wow I'm like Japan is just like on another vibe yeah well can you can you maybe explain to us like why you immediately click like what was it about the way they practiced it that's unique um I think okay so there's a lot of history here so when communist came communism came in true traditional traditional way of doing acupuncture was pretty much abolished those people had to leave china right because they were educated they knew how to help people that wasn't communism vibes so they went to taiwan they went to japan korea and a lot came to america and canada and they brought acupuncture with them so that was a migration of acupuncture um and then you know the government realized oh no we need this actually because it does help people and our people are sick so then they kind of when we say tcm that is really uh, like kind of like a a modern traditional way of doing chinese medicine a regulated way of doing chinese medicine here are the mm. points here are what we do like more kind of an 
organized, less spiritual, less intuitive way of doing it. And I don't think a lot of people know that because it has the word traditional in it. So the more spiritual and intuitive parts of it really were outside of China, unless you were super rural. And so the Japanese kept, and so what they did is they separated everybody. So you, the acupuncturists refined acupuncture, the people who did herbs, they did herbs. And the people who did moxa, which is like that warming herb. I don't know if you've ever seen that. They, they were a different type of practitioner. When you really specialize in something, you become great at it. And that's what they did. And also there were a lot of stories about Toyohari uh, practitioners in Japan, and they were visually impaired practitioners. So in Japan, historically, if you were visually impaired, you either did shiatsu or you were an acupuncturist. And I just thought mm-hmm. that was so interesting. Mm-hmm. So there was just this like whole other world that opened up to me. And I was just like, and their needling technique was more gentle. And I don't know, I just felt like it spoke to me. I'm like, this feels more right. And so that's why I, I did go there that worked out, but I also later on specialized further in, in Japanese acupuncture. And I find it very effective because I don't do herbs. So my acupuncture has to be on point. I can't rely on herbs. I don't know how to do them. I don't administer them. Hmm. I love that history. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And um, so then at what point did you decide to specialize in cosmetic acupuncture? What was that catalyst? Oh, Yeah. So I graduated school um, and I don't know what happened. My skin went crazy. I will actually, I relapsed with colitis, um, which I didn't have throughout all of school, like nothing, not one sign. I thought I was finally done with it. And then I graduated, boom, colitis um, relapse. And I don't know, like there must've been an infection. Something must've happened physically, spiritually, who knows? And my, I started with cystic acne very bad. And it was really hard for me because I was so excited. I was really good in school. I graduated. And then, you know, I all of a sudden was getting cystic acne and it made me very insecure. I lost all my confidence in myself and how I looked, but also in myself as a practitioner. Because I was like, nobody wants to come and see me. If I have acne, they're not going to think that I know how to be healthy for myself. So how am I going to help them? So this was the basis of how I started my career. It was really hard. Um, Mm. And then one of my friends who I went to school with, she lived a bit further out and she told me she did cosmetic on herself to help with her acne. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot we learned that. And so I just started doing it on myself and I was like, oh, it's helping. It's healing it faster. My skin's getting brighter. Um, of course, didn't get rid of it. It took years. Like doing one round of cosmetic acupuncture is not going to be enough. It's really internal like that. And so I just kept with it. And I was like, wow, if this really helps people, maybe I should, you know, share it. So I did it on a couple of friends and then it just kind of grew. And then people started asking me about it because it was this really interesting time where social media was picking up. I mean, I, I know we always talk about this family, but they are so incredibly influential. The Kardashians have such an influence in society. Selfies became a thing. Instagram became a thing. And Botox became a thing. And all of these things at place, so then there was this, and still is, this huge vacuum of a market for people who want to look better, but naturally. And so it just kind of happened on its own. I really didn't think I was ever going to have a cosmetic acupuncture practice. That was never my plan. 
ever. Hmm. Yeah. So there you go. It just happens, I guess. Can you talk a little bit about, because I mean, it's the same in my practice with wellness, you know, like it's not a fast pill solution, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. as long and maybe even longer as it took you to get into the current state of health. It's going to take you at least a fraction of that time to get back to a better balance. And um, it's a practice. So what, I mean, first, maybe like, what would you recommend to someone in terms of, of how many sessions and how frequently, what's the timeline you give to clients? Oh yeah. So a full course of treatment is 10 sessions. Um, Ideally you want to do them weekly. So you're constantly building collagen on collagen Um, and then maintenance is once a month. And then annually you just do your 10 again and that's it. Um, some people don't do the full 10, some people do five, you know, and they do get some results and they're happy with it. Um, it depends, right? Some it's time, it's money for people, but, um, you can get some really solid work done if you, if you commit to 10 weekly. I mean, I'm doing my 10 on myself right now, again, once okay. a week. And so that would be weeks. someone who doesn't have like, let's say acne or like uh, some, major problem, right? I mean, that's what someone no, with a even, healthy- even with acne, I recommend people come once a week, unless it's really bad. Maybe at the beginning, they might need to do twice a week for two weeks. But generally, once a week is okay, because it gives some healing time. Yeah. So can you explain that a little bit? What do you mean by the what's the healing that's going on? Yeah. So like with acne, it's so, you know, people are going to come in and you're disrupting the cycle of the acne. Acne can take a long time to heal. Um, So when you use the cosmetic acupuncture and you're putting needles in the face and you're boosting the immune system and you're boosting, you know, blood and chi and reducing heat and inflammation, the needles around the acne, like, like talking about that physically, you are stimulating blood flow to that area and white blood cells that are going to eat the bacteria that's all under there, right? That's what the pus is, it's bacteria. Um, And so the blood cells have to eat that. And then slowly it'll eat that. And then the acne will start to heal. And then you come back for cosmetic act. That can take four to five days. Then you come back for cosmetic acupuncture again. And then we're boosting that again. So whatever the body was already working on, we're like kickstarting it again. And then again, and then again. That's why if it's bad, sometimes twice a week at the beginning is better. Um, But at once a week, you're just constantly kickstarting these cycles. It's like, imagine you were like, you know, climbing something and like every few steps, someone was like helping push you up and then you climb a little bit and then they push you up. Like it's just constantly feeding and supporting slowly, right? So the body understands what's going on as opposed Mm. to like coming in with like, yeah, like micro needling, nothing against it. It's, it's harsh, but it works. Um, I haven't had it done because I, I think it's too much for me. Um, but like, you know, micro needling is intense. And then it's just kind of like you do that. And then you just kind of like leave your skin alone. Where cosmetic acupuncture is this constant build. We're constantly building from inside. We're constantly healing and working on your face. And microneedling just means that there are many more needles, but they're smaller. Microneedling is like when you have, um, it's like this pulsing pen and there's like maybe five to six needles on the end, like kind of like tattooing, obviously less intense um, mm-hmm. and it's pulsing and like it's, it's grazing the skin. So they put numbing cream on, numbing cream on, and then the needles are pulsing and it's like, bzzz, and you're just like, it's like going on the skin. So it's penetrating 
lots of micro trauma to your skin. And it's only treating the face, right? Back to yeah, the yeah. There's nothing the holistic about the whole organism, yeah. but it works from a physiological perspective. It's doing the same thing. You're breaking the skin barrier. You're stimulating blood circulation, white blood cells coming in, T cells, white everything's coming up again. But then you, yeah, you're missing the holistic part. Yeah, I really relate to your acne story. I had acne as well, but you know, I went to a dermatologist, and I think mm. I was. 15 or 16 and I was on Accutane for years like it was such a harsh medicine and yeah um obviously at this point in my life I would have never signed up for that but back then it was just it was such a everything you talked about was self-confidence just Mm -hmm. all and I also had you know like coke bottle thick glasses and braces like it was just yeah yeah not not the the uh things that you want when you're going into adolescence and and all of those teenage years. Mm -hmm. So can we circle back a little bit? Because I um, have heard increasingly young women looking to like baby Botox as a thing. And like, how do you, or what would you suggest in terms of cosmetic acupuncture? I mean, you said in in Japan, like even kids come, so there's really like no age that you recommend starting or, yeah, cosmetic acupuncture preventatively, like then you could start at like 22, 23. Because what all that's going to happen is you're boosting up a lot of your collagen. So when your collagen starts to deplete, depend, I know everyone, there's so many different stats. I was like 1% at 25. And then some people say 1% at like 20. And then some people say 1% at 30. I think it depends on your culture, your background, your like personal genes, your lifestyle. I don't think that stat can be said across the globe. Um, but it is a fact that collagen does deplete over time. So let's say you start at 23. Um, you are building so much extra collagen year and year, year after year after year, that by the time you're 30 and when it does start to deplete knowingly, um, your reservoir is so much higher than everybody else. Mm. So you will dramatically slow down your aging process because you've worked so preventatively. You've just boosted more collagen. That's way better than doing baby Botox. And, you know, again, freezing muscles in your face, your face isn't done changing. When you Mm -hmm. were hitting your thirties, you were going to lose fat pads in your face. I remember when I turned 32, 33, my face changed dramatically because I lost fat in my face. And people actually thought that I had gotten work done. So it was a combination of losing fat in my face and that I was doing consistent acupuncture and my skin was starting to clear up. But when you do um, Botox, you are, those muscles are not moving. And so then you're going to hit your thirties and then your muscle, you're going to lose fat in your face and your face will change, but you have no muscle tone. So Mm -hmm. your muscles aren't going to move with you. And then what's going to happen? So then let's say you're going to be 40. So for 20 years, potentially, let's say even 15, you didn't move certain muscles in your face. That is wild. You can only do so much Botox. Everybody knows that. Even an injection. That that I really, I mean, first of all, like if you actually calculated, you're like planning on doing it for 60 years and you calculate like how much you're going to spend. It's just insane. Yeah. And to the, what you're speaking to, that it just doesn't make sense that 
you cannot have those muscles do anything for a decade and then they're somehow going to serve you later in life. I mean, I know post two babies, like my face completely changed again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, And I'm sure that's a relatively common thing too for absolutely, absolutely. Your hormones change, your blood levels have changed. You've gone through pregnancy delivery. Of course, breastfeeding so many changes, you know, it's, I think, yeah, people are not thinking long-term and the baby Botox thing really, you know, like, oh, let's call it baby Botox. It's cute. Like, (laughs) no, it's not cute. It's not cute. You're so young. It's just, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you're working on long-term. Is this kind of like what you see yourself doing, um, for, you know, in the near future, are you doing courses at any point? Like, how are you thinking potentially, um, of expanding your impact? Yes. I really, really, really want to get online more and teach more. Um, my practice is so busy and somehow it's gotten busier in like the past few weeks. I don't know what happened. Um, but I'm going with it, but at the same time, I'm like, well, but I want to write my courses. Teaching is okay. Being an acupuncturist is my destiny. I know that it's part of my purpose on this planet, but I really, my truer, my more real purpose on this planet is like also sharing acupuncture, like sharing the education about Chinese medicine. That's my more true purpose. So I've been doing living my purpose by being in the practice one-on-one with my patients, but, you know, and, and COVID showed me this, that you can do a lot more work online. Like I've helped a lot of people online that I just like by people messaging me like, Oh, I stopped doing this. Cause you said, and this, and this happened. I'm like, wow, you didn't even come in. I don't even know you. Um, so yeah, like teaching is a very big passion of mine. So yes, eventually look out for some classes. I just need the time to like sit and write them and figure all that kind of stuff out. But that is something I really, really want to do. Yes, you definitely yeah. should. I'm, I'm signing up. Oh, thank <laughs> if you. If and when you do. Thank you. So um, before we sign off, can you maybe share some, you know, what are, what are things that clients tell you, you know, how you're changing lives and maybe ways that you wouldn't think cosmetic surgery or or acupuncture might? Um, I think like women's self-esteem, like the way I've heard women speak about themselves and they come into my office, like, oh, I feel so old and I feel unseen. And I'm just like, oh, blah. And I'm like, what are you? I'm like, what? I'm like, you are a beautiful person. Like it just, it actually breaks my heart. Like how women like I see maybe generally over 40, all of a sudden don't feel beautiful anymore. And so, you know, they come in and then, you know, we're boosting their energy. We're changing, working with their emotions. Like acupuncture just does that naturally, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they just feel better and then their skin's better, of course. And we're working on the lines and stuff. And so that happiness it brings them or that joy it brings them is like, I think amazing. I feel like people should already be there, but you know, our society makes people feel certain ways about themselves. Everyone goes through these kinds of things. Um, so I think that that's one of my favorite things about my practice is like the joy that cosmetic acupuncture brings to women that's been stolen from them for no reason. 
Yeah. Well, because you're in the, the sort of trenches of it, do you have any insight? I mean, I'm guessing social media plays a huge part, but um, you know, how that's shifted relatively recently where, you know, we hit a certain age and then it's a, a definite drop in self-confidence or self-worth. Yeah. I think it's always been there. And then I think it got exasperated in social media. And then also I think um, by being online and being on zoom more, you know, I heard this and there are articles about it too. People getting more work done, dentistry work done, um, injectables, facials, whatever. Um, because there, this has been a time where we've never looked at ourselves this much, especially <laughs> in the pandemic, <laughs> like seeing yourself on zoom, like six, eight hours a day, like people who have like those kinds of jobs, like when you wouldn't see yourself in your, in your meetings at your desk, we have never been, ref- our images have never been reflected to us so much as in now. And they're not the, always the, they're not true images. It's a mm-hmm. shitty laptop um, camera. Like, you know? Lagging connection. Yeah. Like lagging connection. You're, your screen isn't set up like into a flattering angle. Cause you're at your desk at your kitchen table. You know what I mean? It's not your lighting. Like it's just these. So then we're comparing these kinds of images of ourselves to people who are like, have what, like Photoshopped images on Instagram. Like, no, the discrepancy is too vast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so such a good point. I think that's just, it's played such a big role that people, I, I've, I've just heard it too. They're like, I was on zoom and I'm like, don't even pay attention to that. <laughs> it's not real. It's not what you look like. Totally. Yeah. Uh, well, I love following you and your reels. They're so informative on Instagram. It doesn't surprise me at all that you're on TikTok. What's your TikTok experience been so far? Oh gosh. TikTok is a whole other world. People do not hold back. You will get love on TikTok like you'll get on Instagram, but they will also get a lot of hate. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like people just will say anything to you on there and it's just like you don't know what you're talking about or you're not Chinese or you like um you are not experienced enough to be talking about this I'm like well I've just been in acupuncture for almost 15 years of my life you know I'm like I'm like also didn't claim to be Chinese I'm like I'm talking about Chinese medicine as what I've learned as a <laughs> practitioner like people are just like saying all kinds of wild things all I've been called lots of interesting names <laughs> not oh swearing God. or anything just like really interesting insults like it, yeah so I, I can I, <laughs> but it is fun like I, I like TikTok better than Instagram yeah mm, maybe I should give it another chance I, I kind yeah. of like go in and out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm curious when you, you already brought it up, is that like a thing in general where you kind of get that the Chinese culture is kind of resistant to people outside Chinese culture kind of running with this wisdom and, you know, mm, that's uh, a natural big, technology, if you will. That's a big topic. Um, in my experience, I would say the elders, so let's say 55, 60 plus seem very, that I've spoken to, seem very excited about how facial gua sha, cosmetic acupuncture, acupuncture in general is getting more popular. I would then say people who are um, of East Asian descent in America, Canada, 
and maybe some in Europe, I, I haven't seen many European East Asians talk about it as much, but here for sure, Canada and States um, that are like, have been practicing like adults, you know, um, talk more about the appropriation of it. So it seems like the elders, maybe like they don't, they're just like, oh, it's getting popular. Okay, cool. And then it's more so I'd say like the newer practitioners, East Asian practitioners, um, maybe Western practitioners who are more conscientious about things that are talking about the appropriation of it. Um, and so, and then th there's, it's a very layered thing because you have people who are still in Asia, you have people who have immigrated here. Um, so that's a big topic. When I came back from Japan, I remember people saying to me, oh my God, that's such a big deal that you got to be in, in clinics in Japan. I'm like, why? Like, what was the big deal? Like everybody was so nice. And they're like, oh, they don't, Japanese are very homogenous society. They don't like to share. And I was like, oh, I did not have that experience at all. And obviously I'm not East Asian. I mean, I'm Indian, so I'm from Asia. They didn't seem to care at all. Like I didn't feel slighted or that they didn't want to share with me, but apparently that's some kind of a sentiment, but I've never experienced that. So I don't, there's a lot going on there. It's a big topic. Okay. Well, yeah. um, thank you for touching on that yeah. aspect of it. Would you say that it kind of goes the same way for, in terms of the, the elders are sort of more excited about it evolving and the, you know, younger generation that sort of wants to protect it are yes. more interested in protecting it in every sense, not only in terms of who's practicing it, but it becoming, you know, a TikTok thing or not. Yes, 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 yes. That's a good, like, yeah. So the people like in my age group, the practitioners now are, yeah, want to protect it. We're obviously happy that it's getting popular, but we don't like the appropriation of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and so I think the elders, when they're looking at it, because it must've been, it's so much harder for them, right. They would have been yeah. practicing and doing stuff in like the seventies when people thought it was like pure witchcraft. So for them, if they're seeing it on TikTok, they're like, Oh my God, this is cool. I guess. I don't know. Right. And then yeah. you have people like in our generation and we're like, yeah, it's cool. But like, it's not because they're actually like misleading the public and they're, and they're using this motivation to sell things or to just be popular. And that's not cool. And completely leaving, you know, Chinese medicine out of it and the culture out of it. It's like yeah. my, my, it's my, I relate. I think the reason why I understand that sentiment so much is that's how I've always felt about yoga. And, mm. and the popularization that's coming out too of Ayurvedic medicine and like what, whatever Starbucks or whatever calls like turmeric golden milk lattes or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> we've been drinking that for like thousands of years. This isn't new. <laughs> like, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. It can, it's a, you're right. I'd say the younger people are more, let's popularize it with education and, and protecting it. That's a good word. And I think the elders are like, Oh, cool. Because they are coming from a different place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So one last question. I want to be respectful yeah, of, of your time. Yeah. You mentioned um, Gua Sha and I know you do a lot of videos on that. Can you just give a, a short comparison of, you know, what doing using a, a Gua Sha stone on yourself versus cosmetic acupuncture might give you or not give you or. Yeah. Different. So 
facial gua sha, I would say is more of, uh, well, it's rooted in Chinese medicine. So it moves blood and chi and stimulates blood and chi to the face. But um, I would say it's more of a sculpting tool, a daily sculpting tool that can help relax the muscles in your face, tone the muscles in your face. Cosmetic acupuncture does that also in a stronger way where it's building collagen and like really honing in on the fine lines and wrinkles. Together, they work incredibly, like incredibly. If you come in for cosmetic acupuncture and you do gouache on yourself even three times a week while you're doing your treatment plan, oh, that's so solid. It's so good. So they both mm-hmm. have their, their place. Guasha is a great sculpting tool and a good maintenance tool for the skin, for sure. Incredible. Is there a place that people can go? Like, I know you're based in Toronto, but if they want to find a cosmetic acupuncturist um, where they are, is there a good place to search for that? Or is it more? No, yeah, there's no like cosmetic acupuncture database. I think people will just ask, like I get asked, that's one of my most common questions. Oh, I'm in Oregon. Do you know somebody (laughs) here? Washington, Calgary, you know, whatever. Um, like out maybe in Barrie, like further out from Toronto. Um, but there, unfortunately, there's no database. So I think people just search. And I know a few, but I, I only recommend the people that I know. It's going to be growing massively. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Well, I really hope I get to experience a session with you one day. And in the meantime, um, we'll share in the show notes your, your accounts on TikTok and Instagram. Is there another way to contact you? Or if someone's in the Toronto area, how do they book? Yep. You can go on my website, sixbabebeauty.com. So six, the number B-A-B-E beauty.com. And then I pretty much live online. So Instagram, same thing, sixbabebeauty. TikTok is babe face skin. Beautiful. Well, any, any sort of last little bit of uh, advice or thought you want to leave us off with today? Um, try acupuncture and be open-minded to it. I think it's one of like, the most incredible things you can bring into your life it's like a it does so much for you that you wouldn't even know and it's a great maintenance tool and it's just so helpful on so many levels yeah so that and don't drink too much cold water <laughs> we'll talk about that okay. i talk about we that all the time <laughs> no we didn't i know but it's all over my instagram like weekly don't drink cold water i mean i know from an ayurvedic standpoint why you yeah is it the same? It's the okay. same yeah it's exact same all it right. just puts out your digestive fire and wastes all your energy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Here, well, my my kids have noticed here in Canada, everything it's ice water. You don't have uh, to ask for ice. It's always ice water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time and yeah, everything you shared with us today. Um, I really appreciate you and um, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Thanks for having me.